this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Disney Vault Talk. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm listening too. From magical movies, all it takes is faith and trust. Oh, and something I forgot. To unforgettable adventures. Well, once there was a princess. I'm an outlaw, that's what. That's no life for a lovely lady always on the run. From the thrill of the theater to the comfort of your home. Do you want to build a snowman? Or ride our bike around the home? I don't care how you kill the little beast, but do it! And do it now! You can always count on something new from Disney. That's why they call me Thumper. For the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your stuff. Look, have I got it? The magic feather. Now you can fly. Ohana means family. Just a sec. Buzz, will you get up here and give me a hand? I'm taking you to someplace pretty special. You won't find him here. <laughs> the king has returned. Join us for discussion and commentary as we open the Disney Vault with your hosts, Steve Glosson and Teresa Delgado. And we're back! It's Disney Vault Talk, the most magical podcast in the Gulliverse. As quite frankly, we build toward the return of Geek Out Loud, I can think of no greater brick in the house, brick in the castle, if you will, than I Disney like Vault Talk. <laughs> so excited to be here. My name is Steve Glosson. Glad to be along with you. I can't explain to you how glad I am to be along with you, but even more glad than to be with you. I'm glad to have with me the heart and soul of Disney Vault Talk. It's been a long time. But here she is, ladies and gentlemen, the lovely, the talented, the powerful, Teresa Delgado. Hello, Teresa. Llama, llama, llama. <laughs> Llama face. Llama face. We get to come back with probably one of the coolest Disney movies ever. And it's been like two months. Yeah. I don't remember what we do. We'll just figure it out as we go. We'll figure it out as we go. I, you said it. You you used a great word. And I want to I'll hone in on this later on as we start talking about the movie proper. But coolest that's that's the one thing this movie has going for it if nothing else and it's got so much going for it but it is just really really cool and i am excited to be talking about this and i'm excited to be back with you it's been a long two months my friend it really has it's been forever there's so much stuff to talk about and I even I forgot stuff about, like, I'm like oh well we should probably talk about uh, when Steve and I hung out so you know yeah we were trip so that would be good we'll put to that in the notes, the show notes. <laughs> um, yeah not just not just me and you but me and you and Greg and Mama Lo and Nathan it was fun times it was 
So before we do that, though, yeah, I think we do emails first. Yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and jump right into the emails. Here we go. When you mail a letter, you can send it anywhere. On foot, by truck, by aeroplane, the postman gets it there. So write a letter to a friend, maybe she'll write you. No matter what, you always know the mail must go through. We need those letters. From General Lee, dear son, we're waiting for the Huns at the pass. It would mean a lot if you'd come and back us up. How can you read this? There's no pictures. Then I'll put that flea in a box, and then I'll put that box inside of another box, and then I'll mail that box to myself. And when it arrives, ah, I'll smash it with a hammer. Mail time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you want to go first, or would you like me to take the first one? Go for it. All right. This comes from Matt. Uh, He says, hey, guys. Just listened to the Mulan episode. While I've seen Mulan before, I'm not that familiar with it, just like I'm not really that familiar with any of the post-Hunchback films. I think it's probably just the 90s sound, like Steve said on the show, but when you played the pop version of that song, Reflection, I think it was called, it immediately reminded of the Marion song from the Mel Mel Brooks film, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Tight tights. Let's just listen to that. (laughs) I went to see The Jungle Book the other night, and uh, through it was excellent. I don't know why I put that. Thought it was excellent. Thought it was excellent. Okay. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. Keep up the good work. And that's from Matt. Uh, This is Marion's song from Robin Hood Men in Tights. Tight tights. That was the camera going through the stained glass window that it was zooming in on. <laughs> yeah, you see, here's the thing. I really want to punch Marion in the face from the minute Why? She gets on my nerves. I think she's supposed to. I think that's her role. Yeah. Yeah. But so. she gets, she's really annoying. I, I can see where that would remind him of Reflection from I, from Mulan. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, uh, also, he mentioned Jungle Book. Live-action Jungle Book was so awesome. I don't know if we've talked about it or not. We've talked a little bit about it. I was supposed to have gone seen it, and I never did. Oh, that's right, because we were supposed to do this movie. Mm -hmm. We were supposed to talk about it. With Jimmy Mack. With Jimmy Mack, and we will. We'll get there. Well, you should see it. Oh, well, I, as soon as I have the opportunity, I will. Well, it's been a you, crazy... Are you in a town with the movie theater now? I am, but I don't think Jungle Book's playing at any of the theaters that are here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Boo. So, yeah. Animals. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, it is... Uh, it, it. I mean, it, it's had nothing but positive things to be said about it. I've not heard anything negative. And um, everyone that knows me keeps telling me that Bill Murray plus Baloo equals Steve Clawson. It does. Now, have you seen The Finding Dory? I've not, but I do have a story about oh, Finding Dory. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. Well, let's go through these. So the next email is, Hi, Steve and Teresa. I wrote you a few weeks ago or months, whichever. 
in regards to one of your fun facts about Pixar in caps and just wanted to apologize for the tenor of my email. Steve read it on the show and I got embarrassed by how nerdy techie I got. I get really passionate about animation and was so glad to share information and got a bit carried away. Teresa, you are correct. People do start to kind of glaze over when I talk about the technical aspects of animation and you're narrowing things down as the better way of keeping people's attention. I love your show and how you guys conduct it. You are a ton of fun to listen to. Keep up the great work. Kindest regards, Paul. P.S. I also want to thank Steve for the kind words and for plugging my website. You didn't have to do that, and I appreciate you being so cool. Well, we love to help friends out, so we plugged it for you. And also, I thoroughly enjoyed your email well, as, because it was interesting. Well, he got a little preachy at us about... Well, maybe a little, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, that's interesting information. Yeah, right. And, and Paul, I think that, I think that uh, it's hard to come across with a good tone sometimes in an email. Just uh, hit the bullet points with us, man. That's all we ask. Hit the bullet points. That's all mm-hmm. we ask. Yeah. Um, but we appreciate you emailing us. Of course we do. Cameron emails us, says, hello, Steve and Teresa, or Teresa and Steve, I should say. I just want to tell you guys the impact this film, he's talking about Fantasia 2000. I want to tell you guys the impact this film has had on me on a personal level. Before I get to that, I also want to give you a fun fact. When Fantasia 2000 was in develop, development, my father was part of the company that developed and built the first theater uh, the film debuted in. He always said that it was essentially a tent. While working for Disney, he got a bunch of Fantasia 2000 merchandise, including a one-of-a-kind name tag. He constantly reminisces about the building of the project, seeing the film, and meeting Dennis Quaid, who was apparently a big jerk to his son at one of the screenings. Wow. Uh, It's pretty funny because he never liked Dennis Quaid after that. On a more personal note, I didn't actually watch the film until last year. One track in particular, Rhapsody in Blue, helped me get through one of the toughest times of my life when I was student teaching. It was just very difficult because I have a speech impediment, which makes it hard to speak in front of, especially in front of large audiences. That sucks. Yeah. That sucks wow. As a Are student you... teacher. Wow. I'm sorry. I just know because I've been there. And what? when you're a student teacher, kids are ruthless. Yeah. Wait, Cameron, I'm sorry that Teresa's laughing at you here on the I'm show. I'm laughing because it's true. I also had no help from my peers, and the only solace that I did have was Rhapsody in Blue. For me, I would just put on Fantasia 2000 and essentially be in heaven. Although I decided not to be a teacher, this track helped me get through the program and realized what I wanted to do instead of teaching. Well, what is that? I love how people tell us these things and they don't finish. Yeah. Cameron, what did you... <laughs> like, so and? <laughs> what did you decide to do instead of teaching? Cliffhanger. All right. Sorry for the long email. Rhapsody in Blue just has a special place for me. Keep up the good work. I'm probably going to buy a Flamingo Vault Talk t-shirt sometime soon, and that's from Cameron. Cameron, I tell you what, man. Um, it's it, that's, the, that's some of the magic of some of this stuff is that... You know, I know that when I'm in a down mood or, or a bad mood or a sad mood, a lot of times I'll put on, like, Return of the Jedi because I just need that happy ending. Now, The Force Awakens may have taken that from me, um, but, you know, it's still happy. It's still happy at the end of that movie, and I just love to watch it. And so um, that's the power of this kind of stuff, and, and that's the magic of Disney is that, you know, the, the, the smallest things can be an inspiration and and a help through the downtime. So glad you made it through. And I hope we did that movie justice in your eyes. All righty. Next one is from Casey. 
Hey guys, love the show. I started listening back with the Little Mermaid show and haven't missed one yet. I'm in the process of going through and listening to all the old shows right now and I'm having a blast. Anyways, I thought I'd send along a list of my top 10 Disney animated movies and songs. Just a quick disclaimer, I was born in 1991 so most of my movies and songs are from the Renaissance and after. It's not that I don't love the older ones, it's just that these are the ones I grew up watching more so they hold a more special place in my heart with that said here are my lists number 10 atlantis the lost empire and i'm just going to bullet wow. point these yeah um we got we got reasons uh so those are cool but number 10 atlantis lost empire number nine mulan number eight frozen number seven little mermaid number six hercules I have to read this one, though. I loved learning about mythology like this in high school, and I think it's because of how much I loved this movie as a kid. I hope you realize that the the mythology behind Hercules is not entirely accurate. Oh, now who's being the nerdy person now? Well, Come I on. do a podcast about Disney. Come on. <laughs> I think I'm supposed to be nerdy. You, you got to understand, they didn't get quite all of the mythology specifically correct they they no they didn't but who cares it was a good movie okay <laughs> hey number five emperor's new guru yes this is easily one of the funniest movies i've ever seen i've seen it a hundred times and it never fails to crack me up true story number four wreck it ralph number three lion king mm -hmm. but number three lion king mm-hmm and then he or is she because it could be she says sorry i cheated a little here but i couldn't decide between these two they go back and forth all the time so there's like one a and one b hmm. uh so they're jockeying for position lilo and stitch and aladdin yes now top 10 songs all right when can i see you again from wreck it ralph um and they they said it not sure if it counts since it was only in the credits uh, and it doesn't but you know oh okay it doesn't from our from our rules. Okay, remember? from our rules. I, I don't remember our rules, to be honest with you. Oh, our rules were that it had to be within the movie. It okay, couldn't be gotcha. a credit song. Gotcha. Okay, number nine, Under the Sea from Little Mermaid. Prince Ali from Aladdin is number eight. Let It Go from Frozen is number seven. Friend Like Me from Aladdin is number six. I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan is number five. A Whole New World from Aladdin is number four. You'll Be in My Heart from Tarzan is number three. I Can Go the Distance from Hercules is number two. And Circle of Life from The Lion King is number one. Oh my God, there's penguins, penguins on, my on my body. Well, there are my list. What do you guys think? Like I said, I was a 90s kid and grew up watching the Renaissance movies. And so they are the ones I tend to gravitate to when I feel like watching a Disney movie. Sorry for such a long message. Thank you so much for a fun show. Can't wait to finish listening to all the old episodes. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. What did you think of Peter Pan? <laughs> <laughs> I want to, uh, I need to address something about those older episodes. They were gone for a little bit uh, from the feed, and that's because behind the scenes, um, I've been working on some things to update the way our podcast feed works, uh, to make it more modern, to make it better, to make it more accurate when I go to look at some things. And in doing that, uh, and all, all across the board, the shows ended up being removed for a little bit. All of the Disney Vault Talk shows are back. Uh, they should be in your iTunes feed. They are on iTunes. They are. They should be in your podcast app. They're there and available now. So uh, sorry about the confusion for a few days there, but everything is back. Cool. Yeah, when you posted that, I was like, oh. 
All right. Well, because I hadn't looked. Yeah. Well, we'd gotten we'd had some people say some stuff on Facebook, and uh, I'd gotten some emails to the Geek Out Online uh, account. So, just wanted to make sure that everyone knows they're back. And thank you for your patience, and sorry for the inconvenience. Finally, Joshua Harris chimes in. He says, you know, in my defense, your poisons all look alike. Oh, this, hold on. The subject line is, booyah, welcome to Cuscotopia. 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 I like Cuscotopia better. <laughs> you know, in my defense, all your poisons... <clears throat> you know, in my defense, all your poisons look alike. You might want to think about relabeling some of them. It doesn't have to be about you. This little guy's had it rough. Talking Llama gave him a hard time the other day. <laughs> It doesn't always have to be about you. Reason this number two, look what I can do. Ha ha. Well, you got me. By all accounts, it doesn't make sense. Break it down. Are you kidding me? This hand-carved mahogany? Well, they're so easy to make. I'll get you the recipe. I'm one of those two, right? Hello, Vault Talkers. Needless to say, The Emperor's New Groove is my favorite Disney movie ever. We would watch it over and over when I was young until I knew the whole thing from memory. Even my mom would say things like, you really should have thought of that before you became peasants, whenever my brother and I would tell her we had no food. Now that my nieces and nephews are old enough to watch Disney movies, they've seen this and loved it. A very underrated movie, in my opinion. Hope you are both enjoyed rewatching it, and thanks for the show. Joshua, your listener from Iowa. P.S. <laughs> what are the odds the trap door would lead me out here? So that's Joshua. Thank you for all the fun quotes, Joshua. I may have to uh, reference your email later on in the show because Kronk is now one of my favorite Disney characters of all time. So he's awesome. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, and I think it all falls under Disney Watch. Hey, watch it! Watch! Watch it! Watch yourself! Who goes there? Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch out, my boy! We are jam-packed with news because yes. that's what happens when you take a two-month break and Disney decides to do a bunch of things. All kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. So first things first, though, we should address when we got to hang out. Yes. And it was super fun. Had a great time. Had a great time down in Orlando. Uh, we were down there. Uh, you guys were taking a little vacay. And uh, I was down there for the RFR meetup, and we were all at the RFR meetup and the live show and everything. And it was a, it was a, it was just a fun, fun time. But then we actually got to hang out one day, and we basically went back to your hotel and played apples to apples. Yes, we did. We we uh, periscoped some of that apples to apples, <laughs> and it was it was funny. Yeah. It was very funny. It was just a good time. It was good seeing you guys hanging out with you guys. Um, and uh, what now? When you were down there, you guys hit all the parks while you were down there. We did. Um, we got to see all the new stuff at Animal Kingdom. That mm -hmm. was really how awesome. was that? Yeah, it was so cool. And the Jungle Book show was amazing. I'm sad that it's not going to be permanent, but it was so cool. I mean, man, Disney World just blows my mind all the time. But it's, now, while you were there, you also got to go to a preview screening of Finding Dory. We did. We got to see it before everybody else got to see it. So, haha. -ha. Um, and it was amazing. It was so good. I. In fact, when I first saw you guys down there, you were coming, you weren't too far out from having seen that movie. And you were rushing around Disney Springs buying up all the Tsum-Tsums. Uh, I was. Yeah. I bought a whole bunch of <laughs> Finding Dory Tsum-Tsums. You know, it was just so good. I. I. Part of me feels like it was better than Finding Nemo. Hmm. 
which is hard because Finding Nemo is really good, but so much Dory and Hank and Bailey. Well, here's here's my Finding Dory story, if I may. I have a I have a nephew, great nephew, who's three years old, and he loves trains and he loves fish. Uh, you take him to an aquarium and he just he is just enthralled. He loves it so. Um, his mother, my my niece, once removed, not the great niece, but my his my niece took him to see uh, Finding Dory, and so I was asking her. I was talking to her after they went to see. It, I'm like, how'd he do? She's like, he loved it. He was like the most well behaved we've ever seen him be, <laughs> and just and she's like, but I she said I didn't realize how much he was actually picking up from it, and so he, he's named after me, and so I call him over and I'm like, hey buddy. Tell me about Finding Dory. And this is what his takeaway from Finding Dory was. Hank drove a truck into the water. And I'm like, what now? He's like, Hank drove a truck into the water. And I'm like, who's Hank? And he looked at me. He's like, he's an octopus. (laughs) (laughs) And he has latched on to Hank. That is his favorite Disney character in his life right now is Hank. He's an octopus. The octopus, yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) so i've been keeping my eyes out for any frank merch i almost bought a giant stuffed frank the other day just mean hank hank i mean not frank frank (laughs) hank whatever yeah i've been keeping well there's hank itty bitties at Mm -hmm. hallmark there's they're pretty cool yeah yeah Yeah. and Teresa's already been my my beanie boo hookup yeah I got new Beanie Boos at Hallmark, and I was like, oh, picture for Steve. Which, and those are for my little niece, uh, who some of you may have seen me tweet out pictures or put, put pictures of she and I on Facebook before. She is just uh, the bright spot in everybody's life, and um, she's had some. she's got some little medical things going on, and Aww. they have to have some baby surgery uh, in in a week or so. So we'd appreciate your thoughts and prayers being with her, so... But she loves those Beanie Boos. I, don't, I think it's just their eyes. <clears throat> but I got her a whole bunch. When I was down in Orlando, I found like a ton. And I just bought every different one they had because her birthday was coming up. And so I went to a birthday party. And I just had them in, a, in like a gift bag. And they put them in front of her. She's just one year old. And they put them in front of her. And she opens the bag up. And she reaches in. And she pulls one out. And she sees it. And she smiles real big. She kisses it and sets it down. Reaches back into the bag. Pulls the next one out, smiles real big, kisses it, and sets it down. It just goes through every one, just one at a time, kissing each one as though to welcome them into her life. That's awesome. And so, um, yeah, so, but yeah, my little my little nephew, he is all about some Hank right now, the octopus Hank, and and if, and he likes octopus and he likes the turtles. So, <laughs> that's awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, we had a uh, we had a great time seeing Finding Dory. And speaking of Finding Dory, um, it's just blowing away box office records and animated stuff and Pixar stuff. I mean, you know it. The it did not even like it surpassed um, Independence Day when Independence Day came out. There was no way Independence Day was going to beat it out. It was amazing. <laughs> it was just like. Yay, Finding Dory. <laughs> so, Finding Dory is has made domestically $429.2 million. Wow. Worldwide, it's $651 million, which I realize we're not into the billions yet, but, man, this is amazing for, 
an animated movie, like, amazing, really. Yeah, I, and I've heard nothing but good things about it. I mean, it seems like Pixar's done it again. And I also saw um, an article, speaking of Pixar really quickly, saw a headline of an article the other day that said Pixar has kind of said they're not doing it after Incredibles 2, that they don't have any sequels in the works in the foreseeable future. Yeah, I can see that. So, um, so they're going. But that's still such a long way off. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. One and, and one I'm really looking forward to, by the way. Mm-hmm. The Incredibles is the best Fantastic Four movie they've ever made. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, yeah Finding Dory has been huge, 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 and I still have to see it. But as I've made mention on the show many times, I'm not real comfortable going to see an animated movie when it's just me. So, I have to. Uh, not because I'm embarrassed, but because I don't want to make anyone else uncomfortable with the big bearded guy sitting there watching cartoons <laughs> with their kids. <laughs> so if someone wants to loan me their kids to go see some of these movies, I'll gladly take them. Cool. Well, the next big thing, I am, I'm about to pee my pants excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> Seriously. You, you kind of... Well, when you showed me this today... I, I kind of, like, I'm amazed by it. I'm blown away by it. But then my second thought was, well, you kind of knew it was coming after the reveal of those minifigs um, a couple of months ago. I didn't. Back. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't think about it. And then when I saw it, I was like, of course. Yeah, it's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Of course, we're talking about. The Lego Disney Cinderella Castle that's coming out. In September, September 1st is its release date. It's at a price point of $350. Um, I will have a credit card that is clear and ready for me to go and pick that up. Now, (laughs) I did find out that I, as a LEGO VIP member, will have access, early access, to this set in the middle of August. um, Right around the 14th or 15th. And my LEGO store, I have confirmed with the manager, who is a friend of mine, that they will have it. So my happy self will be going and buying this set. 4,000 pieces. Wow. 4,000 piece set. And I cannot wait. It has rooms on the inside. So you turn it around and there's all these rooms and they're all themed. And there's like a little Lumiere and like there's all this really cool stuff. And now this isn't, now this isn't the, yeah, I'm looking at one here that's 646 pieces. This is not that one at all. No. No, this is this is I'm going to the Lego shop here to check this out again just to see it. It is it is ridiculous. Um one of the best places to see it is on the brickset.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um the brickset.com has like a bunch of pictures and stuff like that. Um I I I can't I don't even know how to like absorb how awesome this is. The box itself um, it's going to be set number 71040 for all you Lego fans out there. It's going to be 4,080 pieces. It goes on sale on September 1st. It'll be $350. It's a buildable version of what this article from the Hollywood Reporter says, Cinderella's Castle. Um, I'm sorry. No, it's not. Or it says Sleeping Beauty's Castle. I'm sorry. No, it's not. This is Cinderella's Castle from Disney World, not Sleeping Beauty's Castle from Disneyland. So let's get that fixed first, first and foremost. The castle will measure 29 inches high, 17 inches wide, and 12 inches deep. 
It comes with five minifigures, including Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Donald Duck, Daisy Duck, and for the first time ever, Tinkerbell. Cinderella's Castle goes on sale directly through LEGO beginning September 1st. LEGO VIP members can purchase the set starting August 14th, and it is free to become a LEGO VIP member, so if you want the set. And they have some pictures here on the Hollywood Reporter of the interior rooms with nods to classic Disney movies such as um, Snow White, there's a Poison Apple, Princess and the Frog, um, Fantasia, there's a Sorcerer's Hat, and Mickey has a broom. Sleep, um, yeah, Sleeping Beauty, there's a spindle, like a spinning wheel. Merida, there's a like a bow and arrow and a bullseye target. Um, and some other things. And I, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God! This is, yeah, it's a huge, huge set. And uh, there's a video, a designer video that you can find on I YouTube. Oh, I just heard it came out of that. Um, to and uh, he's showing the Rose from Beauty and the give Beast and Lumiere is in there. Oh, give me a link. Uh, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> I was I was looking at this on, it's on the Brick Set press release uh, about it, but I'll, I'll throw a link there into our Skype chat for you. Um, Watch it later, but like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's... Uh, this is it is it, it is a huge set uh, you know you said four thousand pieces but i have been so hesitant to bite the bullet on actually getting into the lego collection uh type stuff and um i did get the ghost had gone on uh, the, from star wars rebels had gone on clearance at walmart in my old town and i was able to pick it up and just had such a blast putting it together and then the emperor's throne room went on clearance and so I grabbed it, and I love that little set. And I'm just like, I want more. And they've got this great Ewok Village set that's like almost oh, I 300 it. bucks. I want, that one too. I want it so bad I can taste it, you know. And so, but now I'm looking at, because where I'm at right now in Rome is, is a little bit temporary. And so I'm looking at, you know, having to find somewhere where I'll be able to get my all my collection out of storage and still be at, be able to add to it. So um, it is. Uh, but I, this thing is just amazing. It all like to the point that I just want to build it. Yeah. You know, like that's the thing is I look at this stuff and I just want, and that's the great thing too about collecting Legos. My friend Derek collects Legos and I was asking him about the value. He's like, as long as you have all the pieces there in the box, um, you know, you Lego collectors are okay with it having been opened and built. Yeah. Like it's not like Star Wars stuff where it's like, oh, it's got to be mint in the box. You know, you can actually take it out and display it and everything. As long as the bricks are clean, they're there. You've got the instructions, you got the box and people are usually pretty good about, they're good about maintaining their value. So. Yeah, I can't wait. Oh my god, I oh, oh okay. All right, moving on. All right. So, because <laughs> if I keep talking about it, I'm gonna start jumping up and down. So we had some really, really, really big news right towards the end of May, mm-hmm. like right when we were going on our hiatus, and it involves Netflix. Yep, I, I'm not familiar with the service. Really, I, not at all. I'm very familiar with it. <laughs> Netflix announced that they are going. They have signed a deal with Disney and they are going to be putting be the exclusive home for all Disney movies on streaming services that's phenomenal yeah and they are going to make all of them available every single one yes now I don't know um, I I don't know if I like that or not really well you know I'm the vault keeper and I just don't like having the power down (laughs) here I was like really I'm sorry sorry to interrupt guys I just wanted to say I just feel like that Netflix is being a little pretentious in what they're doing. Uh, you know, some of us enjoy withholding things from the rest of you. 
So if you haven't read this news, um, I'm going to read you a little bit of it from Time Magazine. Netflix is seriously upping its streaming game this fall with the help of a little Disney magic. On Monday, so this was May 23rd, so whatever that date was, Netflix announced that it would become the exclusive streaming carrier for Disney films on U.S. pay TV services. From September onwards, Netflix will become the exclusive U.S. pay TV home of the latest films from Disney, Marvel, Pixar, and Lucasfilm. Wow. Does that mean Star Wars is going to be streaming on Netflix? Well, we aren't sure yet, but while specific films weren't named, the vast range of movies from the Disney franchise could span from cartoons to Star Wars, which means that there will be something for everyone. Consider your Netflix queue booked for this fall. To see what's headed to Netflix, watch the clip below. Now, the clip below was talking about summer movies and stuff like that, but this opens so many doors yeah it could mean anything yeah like literally anything and now it's no more of oh the movie's off netflix because they have the rights to do whatever they want well and i just wonder how long this deal is made for i mean it's not i mean it could be in perpetuity it could be you know sometimes these movie companies will make these deals for a year two years 18 months um it's gonna be interesting to see how long it lasts yeah but I, I'm, I'm really excited about mm-hmm. it. I, I feel like it's going to make things a lot easier for us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you know, we're in an era right now where they're all on Netflix. All the ones we've been watching are there. Um, and I'll tell you, just before we go too much further on, you know, that's how I've watched this one and, and a few of the last ones that we're talking about. But uh, having watched this, I'm like, well, I'm just going to have to get this on the old Blu-ray because mm-hmm. it's worth having. This is, a, this is an owner is what this one is so um yeah but i'm excited about this stuff coming to netflix because you know we're right now we're focused really on these animated films but there's a slew of live action films that could be coming um you know there's all kinds of uh you know just little hidden gems here and there that could be coming to netflix and disney has been pretty good about having stuff you know in limited quantities on netflix as it is so it's going to be really interesting to see if the floodgates open or if it's kind of a trickle out bit by bit kind of thing. Like I wonder if they'll do like princess movies out or if they'll do like eras, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the thing. It could be just kind of a rollout for them. It's it's a thing where depending on how long this deal is with Disney, they could make a big hubbub about coming to Netflix in such and such a month, you know, the Star Wars uh saga. Uh, you know, get ready for episode 8 with you know, the first seven of the saga, or they could make a big deal about, you know, for the first time ever streaming live, you know, streaming on Netflix, uh, the original animated classic, um, Snow White, or first time streaming ever on Netflix, you know, all of your favorite short cartoons. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to be there, but it, it definitely does. As you said, opens a lot of neat doors, um, to be a Netflix customer. Now their prices are going up. It's going up to, Mm -hmm. I think to 999. Um, yep. But if this is kind of if if we're going to be getting this quality of uh, movies and and entertainment as long as well as all their original programming they're doing, and of course they already have deals in place with Marvel TV, so it only makes sense that the Marvel movies would follow. Um, you know, uh, if this is the kind of quality we're going to be getting from Netflix, then you know nine ninety nine a month that's what you pay for Hulu basically. So yeah, I, I think it's not too much to ask. Yeah. 
Now, the next thing we're kind of, we talked about Finding Dory a little bit and how much of a success it's been. On the reverse side of that has been the BFG. The BFG came out July 1st, and it has been a box office flop. It's uh, raked in $51 million worldwide since it was released on July 1st. Um, It's not going to recoup its $140 million production budget, and it's projected that Disney will lose about $100 million on the movie. Mm. Um, Now, you know, that doesn't, it sounds like a lot, but it doesn't really mean a whole, whole lot. Um, and the the way that films are going, but you know, it I think it kind of shows sort of what things Disney can really make a film about and be successful, even though they're trying to do some of these other things. And it, it bums me out because Steven Spielberg was involved with it, and I love him, obviously. Um, well, not only that, but um, the screenwriter was the lady who wrote the screenplay for E. T. Yeah. Um, you know, she's uh, she's passed away, but this was one of the last things she ever worked on, and they had of course collaborated way back when and i'm sorry that i don't remember her name right off the top of my head but uh this movie is one that i think a lot of cinephiles were looking forward to but i don't know i've got to be honest i don't know how how good a job they did of promotion no they really didn't it, you know it's it's a child's book by roald Dahl. it is um it's not something that is in the common vernacular today uh, when people hear BFG, you know, anytime you hear any initials with F in it, you think something completely different. And so, Melissa Matheson was the screenwriter's name. Um, but you just, you just, you know, I feel like they could have done a little bit better job of, of promoting this thing and kind of giving people an idea of what it was going to be. And uh, because I sure didn't, I, you know, I sure didn't know what it was until after a while. So, um, it's unfortunate. Okay, so we need to put a pause in things. Do mm-hmm. you mind vamping for a sec? Sure. Okay. Okay, I'm going to vamp here. My name's Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you. That's how I always start every show. I, I guess because you start every show that way because every show is someone's first show. And when, you know, so you want people to get to know you. It's kind of like you're introducing yourself to the new listeners and reassuring the listeners that are returning that, hey, it's the same person. Hosts haven't changed from the time that you last listened to an episode and now. We're good to go. It's just the same old thing. Not the same old thing. That sounds kind of negative. But you know what I'm saying. It's it's like a comfortable blanket. And that's what you want from, from your listening stuff that you do, from your podcast, from TV shows that you watch. You know, we've all been in that situation where we're watching a show and they change the actor. You know, from one season to another, and they acted like no big deal. Uh, they did that on, uh, what was it? Mom, your show. Or maybe they didn't do it on your show, but they, whatever. The one my mom watches hmm. in CIS. Oh, okay. Welcome back. <laughs> that was my cut in. <laughs> I had to discuss dinner. Okay. With the hubbies. Tell me about Alina of Avalor. Alina, honey. It's Elena. Uh, well, it's spelled E L E. Elena. Mm -hmm. Now, do you remember a while back when I went on a rant about Latin princesses? Yes. And then you remember when they announced this and how I said it wasn't good enough because it's on TV? (laughs) Yes. Okay, I know I said all these things. I'm still not sure how I feel Mm -hmm. about all this. However, I I feel like there's a big butt coming, Teresa. 
Well, I'm not really sure exactly a, a what's big coming Latina, from what I'm talking about I feel like right there's now. a big Latina butt coming. A big Latina butt. <laughs> All right. So there has been a lot of information released about Elena of Avalor as it will be making its premiere. It's a one-hour premiere on July 22nd at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Disney Channel. And so they had the young lady who is voicing Elena on Good Morning America, and she did a little interview. And so I'm just going to pull a few segments out of here. But the series focuses on the adventures of the title character, Elena, who is described as being a brave and adventurous teenager who has saved her kingdom from an evil sorceress and must now learn to rule as crown princess until she's old enough to be queen. So the voice actress that is playing her is Amy Carrero, who is actually of Latin descent. Um, Her mother is Dominican and her father is Puerto Rican. And she said that it means absolutely everything for her to play the first Latin princess. She said that Disney has been in my family for a very long time. And just to see my own images represented, my own culture represented is really special. And I hope it will be for everybody watching. Now, after I heard her talk, hang on. After I heard her talk, I said, oh, all right. Well, I was going to say, meanwhile, Teresa had actually snuck into the GMA studio and was over in the corner going, not good enough. Not good enough. Do better. Well, I would love for them to make a, I want it on the big screen. What is so wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. All right. Well, the one thing she did say is that what she loves most about her is that there's no Prince Charming and that she is her own hero. And I was like, oh, well, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So, I'm kind of, I watched a little clip. There's a video on on the Good Morning America site where they interviewed her and there's a little video of a clip from the from the show and I was like, "Hmm, this in this animation is pretty good. It feels a little bit rebel-y, kind of, mm-hmm. like rebels and um I kind of liked it." All right. But I mean it was like 30 seconds, but Right. So, I'm going to I'm going to set my DVR for July 22nd um at 7 p.m. Eastern time for the premiere of Elena of Avalor. So I'm kind of excited. All right. Well, let us know how you like it and if you turn the corner or if you're still super disappointed in Disney when it's all said and done. Um, Finally, under the Disney Watch, uh, well, no, we've got two more things here. Misty Copeland, live-action Nutcracker? Yes. So Misty Copeland is a prima ballerina from the American Ballet Theater. She has been on a lot of like late night talk shows and stuff just to highlight ballet. She is just she's just amazing. And um she's one of the first ethnic um prima ballerinas ever. And she is meaning she's not white. Right, I'm with you. Um, okay. Um, she landed the lead ballerina role for the dance sequences in Walt Disney Pictures' new live-action version of The Nutcracker. Um, she was on So You Think You Can Dance last year and became the first African-American woman to become principal dancer at the American Ballet Theater in their 75-year history ever. Wow. So it, that's pretty amazing. And um, she's going to get to do the live action Nutcracker version. And I'm really excited. I think it's going to be really cool. I thought, what, see, I'm getting you confused with someone else now. Because somewhere recently in my life, the Nutcracker suite has come up. And, and I thought it was you. And you were like, I don't care about the Nutcracker. 
I did when we were talking about Fantasia 2000. Okay, exactly. I'm excited that she has the role of it, and okay. I didn't really know that they were doing a live-action Nutcracker, so I'm kind of intrigued now because of the fact that she is the main like lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen the the Nutcracker, you know, on on the stage. I there are part of the parts of the Nutcracker play that I just don't understand. Mm-hmm. I, I get very confused. Um, <laughs> There's things that happen. They don't make any sense, okay? Right. Now, I love the music. <laughs> but I get really confused with the it's, Nutcracker. Is the, is the Nutcracker not like um, Toy Story before story, Toy Story? No, there's weird stuff that happens. Okay. All right. I mean, I don't, I don't understand all of it. All right. It's kind of confusing. Well, I don't understand any of it either, so. But I'm excited that she has the role. You're not going to get any help from me. All right. And the last thing we have references the Descendants. The Descendants was, a, it's a set of it's books mm-hmm. and about the villains and their children. And then it was made into a movie called The Descendants um, that premiered on the Disney Channel. It was a made-for-TV movie, and it was amazing. I actually quite loved it. Um, but they've been doing Descendants Wicked World, which is a short-form animated series that was on the Disney Channel. And it was renewed for a second season. So it's going to be coming back, and so that's pretty cool. However, I bring this up because joining the voice cast for season two in recurring roles are Bradley Stephen Perry, who is playing Zevon, who is the son of Yzma. Really? (laughs) That's cool. Okay, is it? Think about it. Son of Yzma. Well, I'm just saying... That means that she... Had a baby. Right. Who in the world is the father? <laughs> well, I don't like to brag. <laughs> we we worked out our differences. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then Lauren McLean is playing Freddie, who's the daughter of Dr. Facilier from Princess and the Frog. So I... Th- just all kinds of what is happening was going on when I read this. <laughs> well, um, I know that the descendants was kind of a big deal, uh, with some kids in my life when it came out, like it was like appointment television. Like they were talking like, we got to get home so we can watch descendants. Oh my gosh. And it's so good. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. It's just, have you heard any of the songs from the descendants? Of course I haven't. Okay, well, let's just let's just discuss the descendants for a minute. If you like villains, mm-hmm. you are going to like this movie because it's so cool and the way that they portray the villains and like their kids is just the coolest thing ever. I don't know. I thought it was really unique and like interesting. Well, I um yeah, I, I, it's 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 we're in the one of those periods of time it seems like where Disney can't do much wrong. I know you've got the BFG not doing well at the box office, but um, but by and large, you know what they're doing on on the Disney Channel, what they're doing on um, in the on the movie screen for most part is just kind of hitting, uh, and and it's it's bigger than it's ever been. It seems like you know it's a, this is a different different time. Uh, 
for for Disney fandom. All right, here's this thing you sent. Yeah, that's not up my alley at all. Oh my god, it's so fun. You have to get to the part where they sing Rotten to the Core. So the main characters are Maleficent's daughter, um, Cruella DeVille's son, Jafar's kid, and um, maybe the evil queen's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um it's it, it's so cool, but I love the opening. Like this is, and all of this stuff was done by Kenny Ortega, who you would know from like a lot of the Michael Jackson music videos right. and um, Michael Jackson's last tour. And he also did; he's done a lot of film choreography mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, he did Newsies. Okay, pretty awesome stuff. Well, so anyway, I just thought it was interesting that Isma had a kid. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's confusing that Isma has yes. a kid. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, well, Teresa, we're here to talk about Emperor's New Groove, and I'm really excited to talk about it. So let's get into that, huh? Yes. was a prosperous kingdom ruled by a young emperor. Ha! Boom, baby! He had a serious attitude. You threw off my groove. I'm sorry, but you've thrown off the emperor's groove. Sorry! An evil advisor. By the way, you're fired. I'll take over and rule the empire. And one major problem. I'll just poison him with this. Uh. Hey, Kronk, can you top me off, pal? Be a friend? <laughs> A llama? He's supposed to be dead! Yeah, weird. Take him out of town and finish the job. Now, his only hope is a humble peasant. Demon llama! Demon llama? Where? Ah! You kidnapped me! Why would I kidnap a llama? You're the criminal mastermind, not me. What? Tell me Cusco's dead. Ow! Well, he's not as dead as we would have hoped. No, 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 break. You're safe now. <laughs> or not. No touchy. Why did I risk my life for a selfish brat like you? Now I feel really bad. Bad llama. Ooh. Me. The Emperor's got a new look. <laughs> a new partner. We're going to have to work together to get out of this. You know, it's a good thing you're not a big fat guy or this would be really difficult. <laughs> and a brand new group. Come here! <laughs> Let's go! 
Walt Disney Pictures presents <laughs> The Emperor's New Groove. Uh-oh. Don't tell me. We're about to go over a huge waterfall. Yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom? Most likely. Bring it on. Booyah! <laughs> so this movie, this movie... Basically, David Spade gets turned into a llama because he's a selfish jerk of an emperor. Kind of like the Star Wars emperor, only not evil, just uh, spoiled and a jerk. He winds up with John Goodman, who has to help him escape the clutches of Cruella DeVille's great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grand-aunt. I'm telling you, they're related somehow. The llama face and John Goodman have to get past their differences to help each other out, all the while Kronk is hilarious. I'm telling you, if you haven't seen this movie, stop listening and go watch, and then come back and apologize for missing out on what is a Disney classic from recent years. 16 years ago is recent, right? Holy llama, 16 years. Where does the time go? This is The Emperor's New Groove. And here's Teresa with some history. I'm sure you know everything there is to know about the castle. Oh, well, actually, Oh, yes, I do. As you can see, the pseudo All righty. So this deserves fireworks. This oh, yeah? is Disney's 40th animated film. Really? 40? Number 40. 40. Bring it Four on. Four zero. Wow. Crazy, huh? Yep. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So it came out December 15th, 2000. Teresa was 14, 15? <laughs> mm-hmm. I was getting ready to start a career. Ah. Mm-hmm. Now, the budget for the film was $100 million. And I just want to do this up front. Box office worldwide, it made $169.3 million. Wow. So that means success. Okay. So, uh, even though this is a super underrated movie, it actually did quite well. So, the film was altered significantly over the six years of its development and production, and I'm going to get into that more later, but it originally began as a musical epic titled Kingdom of the Sun and was supposed to have been directed by Roger Allers and this one other guy whose first name I'm missing, but his last name was Dindal. And Roger Allers was a co-director of The Lion King. Now, it was eventually changed to what the movie is, and like I said, we'll talk more about that later. There has been a direct-to-video sequel called Kronk's New Groove, which is fantastic. Like, we talk about sequels all the time. Right. This is one that I would actually watch. Really? It's on Netflix. I thought yeah, about watching it. Does Patrick Warburton voice Kronk? Yes. yes. Okay. And then there was a TV show called The Emperor's New School in 2006. Wow. Now, it was actually nominated for an Oscar. Really? Um, and it got a lot of positive reviews. It was considered to be one of the best films of the Disney's, Disney's post-Renaissance era. And it was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Song for My Funny Friend and Me, which was performed by Sting. But it actually lost to Things Have Changed by Bob Dylan from Wonder Boys. I remember that year. I don't remember I do. that. I do, because I remember Bob Dylan performing that year. Oh. 
All right. So the standard VHS and DVD was released on May 1st, 2001, as well as a two-disc collector's edition that included bonus features such as Sting's music video of My Funny Friend and Me. There was also a Rascal Flatts music video of Walk the Llama Llama. I don't know what that is. Which, okay, so we're going to all talk some about the song stuff. Basically, when the film was originally supposed to be Kingdom of the Sun, Sting was brought on, kind of like Elton John was brought on. Right. And he composed like eight songs. Well, the movie went through all these changes and all this stuff was cut and it created this major upheaval with Sting like a lot and he was furious which i can totally understand but he had all these different songs and so walk the llama llama is one of them and i don't know if i've ever heard it what well are you ready yeah I could do this. Oh, okay. I could do this at karaoke. <laughs> Walk llama llama. It's going to be stuck in your head. It's going to be stuck in your head. Apparently, there's a dance. Apparently, it's a dance. Okay. All right. So, unlike its theatrical box office performance, the film actually has performed better on home video, becoming the top-selling home video release of 2001. Wow. In September 2001, it was pr- reported that 6 million VHS units were sold, amounting towards $89 million in revenue. Hmm. Ridiculous. On DVD, it also reported that it has sold twice as had twice as many sales. The overall revenue averaged towards $125 million, according to Adams Media Research. Now, Disney re-released a single-disc special edition called the New Groove Edition on October 18, 2005. Disney digitally remastered and released The Emperor's New Groove on Blu-ray on June 11, 2013, and it was bundled in a two-movie collection combo pack with its direct-to-video sequel, Kronk's New Groove. That's actually the version of Blu-ray I have. On its first weekend, it sold 14,000 Blu-ray units, grossing $282,000. So... It's done a lot better in the movie market, like the the at-home movie market. Yeah, I'm trying to see what opened up the same month. Um, oh, I have that somewhere. Old Brother, Where Art Thou was a week later. And Miss Congeniality. And Castaway. Those are three pretty substantially, you know, in, 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 entrenched in the pop culture films. Well, on its opening weekend, The Emperor's New Groove premiered fourth, grossing about $10 million behind strong competition with What Women Want, Dude, Where's My Car, and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Mm. So, and, that was, and that was on into the life of How the Grinch Stole Christmas that year. It had been out a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So. So kind of interesting. Yeah, there, that but, is interesting. Uh, if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 85% certified fresh approval rating. Certified fresh. And 
they critics say it's not the most ambitious animated film, but its brisk pace, fresh characters, and big laughs make for a great time for the whole family. And that is completely true. Yeah, I think I think what works most about this movie, and again, we should just wait till we get there to talk about it, but I think it is the humor. I think that it's a funny, it is a genuinely funny movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, it is. Well, that's the history of this film. Yeah, because I'm going to talk a lot about the, uh, like, the whole how it became the Emperor's New Groove All as right. we talk about the movie. So, in fun facts? Yep. Fun facts! Woo! Say it proud and geek out loud, it's fun facts! So, our first fun fact is about the sweat box. Well, I'm, <laughs> hmm, wait a minute. <laughs> huh? So the Sweatbox is a documentary that so when Sting was asked to do the music he said only if it can we can record the entire process. So the Sweatbox is a documentary that chronicled the tumultuous collaboration of oh. Sting and David Hartley with the Disney Studios to compose six songs for Kingdom of the Sun, oh. which was the film's working title. The documentary featured interviews with Roger Allers and Mark Dindle who were the directors, producer Randy Fulmer and producer Randy Fulmer. Um, Sting, whose wife created the documentary, and um, Disney story artist and the voice cast being dismayed um, by the new direction. So Disney was not believed to be opposing Trudy Styler's documentary with Disney's anim- with Disney Animation's executive Thomas Shoemaker, who had seen the footage commenting that I think it's going to be great. So if the movie had gone the way that it was supposed to, this was so- sort of supposed to, like go with it kind yeah, of? like a behind the scenes making of kind of thing right well that's not what ended up happening and then the sweatbox um premiered at two the two, 2002 toronto international film festival but it's basically gone unseen by the public ever since and oh. disney actually owns the rights to it oh <laughs> i want to see this so bad yeah kind of interesting it's kind of interesting um yeah, so we'll talk more about the film later on as far as how it sort of developed. This next one, I gave you the link mm-hmm. because I feel like this is really interesting. So the title is from the Huffington Post. Um, it came out, this was an article written in 2015, and it said, The Emperor's New Groove might have a dark secret you didn't notice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? So there's this theory out there that there's a secret murder in the inverse <laughs> I've just read this and I gotta tell you it makes a lot of sense based on everything else that goes on in the movie okay so in the movie Cusco gets turned into a llama by Yzma right he ends up entering the jungle by himself and he sees a fly get caught in a web. And then the fly pleads, help me, before getting eaten by a spider. Maybe you can play that video that's Let's here. see if it'll if it'll cue up here. Hmm. Weird looking chameleon. <laughs> Scary jungle right. Oh, a leaf. Oh, it might attack me. (laughs) Oh, it's a scary tree. I'm afraid. (laughs) Please never find my way. I'm the emperor. And as such, I'm born with an innate sense of direction. (laughs) Okay, where am I? Of course, all the eyes in the forest. What? 
Okay, Turn that was the freakiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, so... All right, so the theory is that the fly was originally human, and this would explain why Cusco is able to understand its cries for help, but then it gets brutally eaten, brutally eaten by the spider, and Cusco is left mortified. <laughs> So, could this be true? Was the fly originally human? We've already seen Yzma's potions turn others besides Cusco into animals, including the guards and herself, so it's possible. Plus, the theory also has some convincing support. Well, let's just think about this. The idea that there's no other animal that's speaky the English in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Even even the little squirrel is squeaky squeak, squeaking a squeak. Mm -hmm. Um when these animals are turned when when all these people are turned into various and sundry animals by the potions they all still speak of the english so um right there yeah yeah that wow <laughs> wow it got it it's it's a little disturbing mhm hmm so I just thought that was fun and also slightly. <laughs> Wendy Cooper in the chat says, wait, are Elsa's parents involved? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they are. Give the theory time to grow and blossom. And I'm sure that, that they will be. Well, let's talk about this movie a little bit, Teresa, because this is the first time I've ever watched it when I watched it for this show. Okay. So what was your initial impression as you began watching this? Um, well, as as you start, to me, it's like, okay, this is just, you know, any other, you know, Disney movie. But it was narrated by David Spade. And understand that I have a very, very special place in my heart for David Spade. David Spade is right in my wheelhouse, you know, with his time on Saturday Night Live. I was just the right age for that type of humor. David Spade, Chris Farley, Tommy Boy is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's one that I still quote to this day. And as he begins telling his story as though he's the victim, you know, and you know, as the viewer, no, he's not. I just, I thought it was clever and great. And, and the fact that, uh, that eventually it's a flashback that catches up. It's just, I, it's funny. I love Patrick Warburton and anything he does. Eartha Kitt, one of the original cat women is fantastic as Yzma. And I just love this movie. It's one of my favorites now. I mean, it's, it's up there in my top 10 at this point. I don't know what it bumped, but it's there. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree with you. Like the humor in this movie made it perfect for me. Um, I don't know. For me, it's like the whole storytelling style too. Mm-hmm. Like I think that that's really funny. Yeah. Um, and there was just something I don't know. It just has a magic to it. And what I, I'd really like to start this conversation off, maybe you can pull it up as the opening song um, called Perfect World because it sort of just sets the tone. <laughs> it sets the tone. And it was sung by Tom Jones, which is even more awesome. Um, but, you know, despite the animation being very square and blocky and very ang- angled, mm-hmm. kind of like Hercules, it doesn't really bother me as much in this movie because I feel like this movie wasn't, taking itself too seriously. Well, here's your Tom Jones song. Oh, yeah. There are despots and dictators, political manipulators, 
There are bluebirds with the intellects of fleas. There are kings and catty tyrants who are so lacking in refinements. Maybe better see this ringing from the tree. He was born and raised to rule. No one has ever been this cruel. In a thousand years of aristocracy. An enigma and a mystery In Mesoamerican history The quintessence of perfection That is he Okay, this is the real me Not this This, not this <laughs> Winner, loser Loser Okay, see this palace And by the way, yeah, this is a You know, it starts out with this This animation style though This kind of, you call it blocky animation style This kind of For a few movies here This was kind of the, the thing for Disney for a little bit it really really was i mean you know i don't know <laughs> i'm just laughing because i'm i'm visualizing the beginning of the movie when he's like writing on the <laughs> and he's like with the mark and is this um oh yeah when he's like not over here i don't know why we're paying attention to him being sad yeah i'm over here the story's about me um, what region of the world does this take place in? Are we like in Peru? Is this? Yeah. Okay. So, um, when the film was originally based on, like they went to the Inca, mm-hmm. um, ruins and like the, you know, that, that was what it was supposed to be. Okay. Um, and so they went to Peru and they went to Machu Picchu and they were studying Incan artifacts and architecture. So this was in 1996 mm-hmm. and Kingdom of the Sun was supposed to be a tale of a greedy, selfish emperor who finds a peasant who looks just like him and the emperor swaps places with him okay. similar to like Mark Twain's The Prince and the Pauper mm-hmm. type of right. deal. Um and then the evil witch Yzma had plans to summon the evil god Supai, Supai and capture the sun so that she could retain her youth forever. Um, discovering the switch between the prince and the peasant, Yzma turns the real emperor into a llama and threatens to reveal the pauper's identity unless he obeys her. And the emperor llama learns humility in his new form and even comes to love a female llama herder named Mata. Together, the girl and the llama set out to undo the witch's plans. So this was the, what the original film was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be this kind of very serious sort of um, romantic comedy well, musical. Well, you say serious sort of, but I mean, even even with some of their more serious stuff with these animated films, they still have fun and there's still jokes and stuff. I have to imagine some of that's still there. I mean, the minute you start talking about someone turned into a llama, mm-hmm. you know. Well... It was supposed to be along the style of the traditional romantic comedy musical Mm -hmm. Disney style film. Yeah, yeah. The reason that it was changed was because of how Pocahontas and the Hunchback of Notre Dame did not do well. Right. So when those didn't do well, they sort of decided that they weren't going to do this. And then also it was behind schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, It was supposed to come out in the summer of 2000 and it was not on schedule to do so. And they basically said, look, you have this amount of time to get this done. And if you don't, we're taking it away from you. And basically, that's kind of what happened. Um, The people who were directing it, they quit. They left the project. Uh, and they had to do a massive, massive rewrite. 
And when it went through that overhaul, it became what it is today. Mm. And then if you remember, we talked about Dinosaur, I believe, in our last episode. Um, so Dinosaur took that summer 2000 spot because the Emperor's New Groove was not ready. Right. And I also, I wanted to point this out too. Um, Cusco was actually supposed to be named Monco. That was his original name. Hmm. But it was changed. Because the Japanese slang term omanko means vagina. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, there's, there's a PG. Oh, it's just so there's our PG rating. I know. Um, here, during the late 90s, I was kind of despondent about cartoons because they'd all kind of taken a turn from what I used to like as a kid. You know, I liked the Transformers, the G.I. Joe, the... You know, all the stuff from the 80s, of course. And in the late 90s, you had things like the Angry Beavers. You had things like Hey Arnold. You had things like Johnny Bravo and Dexter's Laboratory. And just a lot of the silly stuff. The Powerpuff Girls, uh, um, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. You know, so around this time... And you had some of the superhero stuff going, the Batman, the animated series and everything. But around this time, animation had kind of swung... The pendulum had kind of swung toward the heavy on the comedy stuff. So when you went to see an animated movie and you got a Hunchback or you got a Pocahontas, um, you know, people probably, kids especially, were probably like, I would rather have, you know, what I'm watching at home, the Animaniacs, the Tiny Toon Adventures, that kind of thing. Um, and so, I don't know, From a, honestly, from a business standpoint, it makes sense for them to, to change course as far as the way the story goes. I know that... From the creative standpoint, you know, those who were in, in the process of creating the thing probably didn't like it, but I can see the argument for, for changing, changing direction midstream, so to speak. Well, I'm glad they did because it's one of the few Disney movies that they have that's actually like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is probably, um, I mean, honestly, it's probably the only one. And it involves so many different, like, kind of types of storytelling, like from the whole what is it like breaking the fourth wall thing where he comes through and he's like pulling on the screen and marking on it with like Sharpie, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, to just like, I don't know the way that they're telling the story almost like backwards in time. Like, and when they're racing each other and they're like, how did that happen? They're like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) No. Yeah. He's like, there's honestly no, there's honestly no explanation for it. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I love, Oh, that was, that bit is the bit where I'm like, this is one of the greatest movies Disney has ever produced. It literally was that bit where he's like, when they're looking at the chart, they're looking at the map, he's like, yeah, there's really no explanation. Um, I was like, great. That was fantastic. And um, it, it, yeah, it that kind of stuff is just, you, yeah, you don't see much like that. I can't think of another Disney film that has been that self-aware. Yeah, it was just brilliant. Yeah. The humor was brilliant. Even stuff like where where um, Cusco goes, I give the word and your little town thingy becomes, becomes bye-bye. 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 He's like, make way for Cusco-topia. Yeah, he does, his, he does, the, he does the classic <laughs> bye-bye. 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 And then, oh my gosh! And when he's when they have all of the the girls there for him to pick his bride, <laughs> and, he and just he's goes, like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, 
hate your hair, blah blah blah. He's like, whatever. And What'd he's like, do? let Just me guess, bed you have here? a great personality. Yes, but see, that's David Spade. That's his personality. If you watch like his uh, his Hollywood Minute, you know, the old SNL uh, weekend updates that he would do and everything, David Spade was known for his snarky humor, for his sarcasm, for you know being almost abrasive in his comedy and um you know not not quite insult comedy but but almost and uh and so to let that come through you know it's similar to the way they let robin williams just be unleashed as the genie you know they they let they let david spade's humor come through in Cusco in this movie and and i think that's part of why it works and then you've got the balance there the minute I heard John Goodman's voice, too, I'm just like, oh my gosh, John Goodman is in this thing. And I love John Goodman. John Goodman is just one of those people that he's really fascinating. I watched um, the other night, uh, it's an older movie, but uh, I watched him as Babe Ruth in The Babe, um, mm-hmm. the, the biopic about Babe Ruth. And I'm just watching this thing and I'm like, he is an incredible actor. You know, and it, because you look at that and you compare it to like his turn and just something, say, The Big Lebowski, you turn around and you see him in, in a movie like Kevin Smith's Red State. You, you turn around and see him in all these different things. And, and he's someone that you may be tempted to think that he plays the same character every time, but he doesn't. But he also just has, when John Goodman is John Goodman and he just smiles, you know, there's a warmth about him. And there's a warmth that comes through his voice and his performance in this that you just immediately like that character and and it's such a great balance to who Kuzco is without being it, it's 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 almost heavy-handed but it's not at the same time because he does he's he's not so one-dimensional that he's just always forgiving and always super nice you know he does let um Kuzco go out in the jungle on his own. He does fuss with him. He does argue. You know, he does get the better of him sometimes. But ultimately, he's a good guy, and he's just kind of pushed by this spoiled brat. And I just, I think the character is warm. It's inviting. It's great. And this is a tour de force, in some ways, of late 90s acting, because you get uh, Wendy Malick in there as Pacha's wife. You know, <laughs> and she was all over TV through the 90s. And she was on the show with David Spade, the Just Shoot Me show. Isn't that what it was called? Oh yeah. You know, so it it was just this this fun this fun cast um, who you know was just so well rounded out. And Eartha Kitt did a fantastic job as Isma. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone knows Eartha Kitt. Like you know, I mentioned it earlier as Catwoman, and um, but uh, there's so much more to her, of course, than that. But she is. Uh, she did just fantastic. You know, it was one of these great over-the-top kind of... It was a very Cruella DeVille-type performance, you know, where it's over-the-top, but it's not annoying over-the-top. It's it's the villain of the story in a completely fantastic story that's just over-the-top enough. And uh, I, I couldn't get enough of this movie. I absolutely... I love these characters, every single one of them. I love how Yzma's drawn. She's drawn so gross. <laughs> Like, so weird. Well, she's got, I, I just, I. Th- <laughs> she's so old lady. Right. But the comparisons there to me, I mean, I really do. She looks like uh, an, like a dried up Cruella de Vil to me. Yeah, she does. She does. 
Um, probably one of my favorite lines is where Kronk's like, who's in my chair? And yeah. Or Cusco's like, who's in my chair? And Kronk's like, ah, I know, I know, Yzma's in your chair. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Kronk, get the snack. Uh, well, and so, look, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, I, so I found a page um, from MTV that was released last year for Patrick Warburton's birthday. And it was the Emperor's New Groove, Seven Kronk fa- Facts That Are Better Than Spinach Puffs. Nice. <laughs> and so the first one was Warburton had zero idea what a Kronk even was. So in an interview, he said that I didn't know what a Kronk was. Disney's very secretive. I just got four pages of material that had a Kronk and an Yzma on it. Well, what the hell is a Kronk? <laughs> I wasn't really sure if this Kronk was a robot, an ogre, a monster. The best determination I could make from reading the material is that he was something of a henchman. <laughs> the best thing I could come up with is something of a henchman. Yeah. This funny. is Putty. I, I, he, um... He is just listen. If you can watch Seinfeld with him as Putty in those episodes and not just mm-hmm. fall in love with that dude, <laughs> his comedic timing and his delivery is so stinking good. There's a scene where he's just sitting there on the couch. He's got both hands just on his lap, and he's just stared off into nothing. And Elaine comes in. She's like, "What are you doing?" "Oh, nothing." Just wait on you, you know, and and she finds out he listens. She, he says, sometimes I sit and think, sometimes I just sit. Um, but she finds out he's listening like Christian rock radio in the uh, in the car, and she's like, "You listen to Christian rock?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm totally going to heaven." So okay, so um, when asked by a fan if it was tricky to learn Squirrel for the movie. Warburton responded in the best way possible. He broke out into Kronk's iconic voice and said, well, I've got to tell you, you really should be well-versed in the languages of all woodland creatures. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, love him. Look, I just got to, um, got to play a few here. Got to play a few here. All right, the poison, the poison for Cusco, the poison chosen specially to kill Cusco, Cusco's poison. That poison. Yes, that poison. Gotcha covered. Gotcha covered. <laughs> More broccoli. <laughs> oh, man. The secret lab. Oh, I love the secret lab Roll stuff. Level. <laughs> Why do we even have that lever? Get out of my way. I love this movie so much. I love this scene though. This has got to be my favorite scene. When he starts cooking. In a minute, I'm still hungry. Okay, I'll make it simple for you. I'll have a spinach omelet with wheat toast. You got it? Can do. Can do. What's taking so long? Back up. Crunk. What are you doing? Kind of busy here. Why am I not surprised? Your order's up. Oh. Oh, well. While you're at it, make me the special. And hold the gravy. Check. 
Back up. You know what? On second thought, make my omelet a meat pie. Meat pie, check. Mom, <laughs> can I order the potatoes as a side dish? I'll have to charge you full price. Hello. <laughs> hey, how about a side of potatoes, my buddy? You got it. One cheese on those potatoes. Thank you, Kronk. Cheddar will be fine. Cheddar spuds coming up. Spuds, yes. Cheese, no. Hold the cheese. No, I want the cheese. Cheese it is. Cheese me no likey. Cheese up. Cheese in. Oh, come on. Make up your mind. <laughs> okay, okay. On second thought, make, make my, my potatoes, potatoes a salad. salad. <laughs> I love it. I love that scene. When when she tells him the whole order and he just kind of gets that look on his face and he spits it back in diner talk. Yeah. Oh. It's also, um, probably one of the best lines of the whole movie is David Spade when he says, "No touchy, no touch." No touchy. Yeah. When he's uh, and, and he brings it back when they're swinging on those vines and fighting. He's like, "No touchy." <laughs> yeah. It's it is a quotable no movie. It is a quotable <laughs> movie when. But I think Kronk is definitely my favorite part when he's sneaking around and doing his own theme music. No, that's when he's like, no, 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 and then somebody walks by and he's like, no, 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 no. And then when he has the angel and the devil on him, yes, yes, and he's like, look what I can do, and he's like, what does that have to do? And then with anything, and then the angel's like, no, he has a point. He's got a point there. Here it is. It's like you're kind of confusing me. So he's looking at the bag go down the river. My shoulder, Angel. Don't listen to that guy. He's trying to lead you down the path of righteousness. I'm going to lead you down the path that rocks. I'll come off it. You come off it. You. 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 You infinity. Ah. Listen up, big guy. I got three good reasons why you should just walk away. Number one, look at that guy. He's got that sissy stringy music thing. We've been through this. It's a harp, and you know it. All right. That's a harp, and that's a dress. <laughs> Reason number two, look what I can do. <laughs> but what does that have to do with it? No, no. He's got a point. <laughs> You're sort of confused. Oh, you have to find a squeak, squeaking, squeaky, squeak, squeak, squeaking. Or the part where he's actually really smart, where he's like, the man, the customer in the diner, he didn't pay his check. And then he lays back down and he's like, <gasps> yeah, tell me about it. No, no, not you. She's not the easiest person to get close to. There's a wall there. <laughs> There's a wall there. Are you talking to that squirrel? I was a junior chipmunk. Uh, and I had to be versed in all the woodland creatures. Please continue. Why me? Why me? Why? Hey, it doesn't always have to be about why, you. Why, why, why? This poor little guy's had it rough. Seems a talking llama gave him a hard time the other day. Oh, a talking llama? <laughs> Do tell. Ah, <laughs> uh, he doesn't really want to talk to you. <laughs> well, then you being in the middle. Squeaky, uh, squeak, squeaker, squeaking. Jaguars. No kidding. Brutal. Brutal. Uh, could you give us a little room here? Oh, sorry. A little bit more, please. <laughs> How is this? Yeah, that's good. 
Now ask him which way the talking llama went. Ah, uh, squeakity squeak. Squeaking. Oh! Nice. Ah. Oh. Uh, here you go. <laughs> this is pretty funny. Uh, so one of my favorite parts too is when Yzma actually turns into a cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because her voice is hilarious. Yes, yes. I just got you a link for it. But right. this movie is all about quotes and like the story is really good too. But it's all about the quotes. <laughs> I'll take that. This is the one. This will change you back to a human. Ow! Bring the potion! Okay, okay. <gasps> Where did it go? Where is it? <laughs> Looking for this. <laughs> is that my voice? <laughs> Is that my voice? <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Listen, it's... this whole thing with the potion at the end, now, I will say this. It stressed me out. I'm like, just someone get it for the love of all that is good and holy. I love how he kept turning into all the different animals, and then he's like, yay, I'm a llama again. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it it went from she had poison to she had all these different things that just turned th- people into different animals. Like yeah. the poison never became a thing again. Yeah. But you're right. It is quotable and I think that's the I think that's the key to this, you know, to this success. You know, we had the email a while ago where where it was just quote after quote after quote after quote from um <clears throat> from Joshua. And um you know, and and it's just that it's that kind of thing that makes these movies so much fun. You know, we've had a lot of memorable, memorable times of quoting different movies and, you know, and there may be one or two things out of a movie, but this one has so many, like when they're going, he's like, let me guess a waterfall. Yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom. Most likely bring it on, bring it on. I just, (laughs) I remember seeing that in the trailer in the theaters and just laughing at that line and that delivery, bring it on. And then booyah. Uh, you know, it's just, it is, it's memorable, it's quotable, and it's, again, it's, I don't know that it's underrated, I just think that it's underrecognized. You know, obviously, it, um, you know, we saw during the history and the fun facts and stuff, it sold well during its initial home video release. Um, but it's just one of those that, I don't know if it's the, uh, if it's the period of time in which it came out or or what, that it's just kind of, you know, it seems to me that it's not one that gets brought up in conversation with casual Dis- casual moviegoers or Disney fans that often. Yeah. Why do we even have that lever? I'm looking at, I'm looking at quotes. <laughs> Emperor's New Groove quotes. They're, they're worth it. They're good stuff. And then, uh, man, but I tell you what, I want to see this Sweatbox documentary, and I don't know who we need to talk to at Disney to get that thing released. But It's probably never going to happen. Oh, just let us watch it. Just go ahead and put it out there. We're all over. We love this movie. It's fine. It ain't going to make us love this movie any less. 
Right. In fact, if you release it on Blu-ray with a special feature being that documentary, you'll sell tons. Probably. You'll sell Man, tons. This so, movie, like all these quotes as I'm reading through them, I'm like, yep, 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 yep. So you suggest the sequel? I like it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm such a big fan of Kronk that, yeah. you know, it's, and when his kids and his wife get in on it to try to trap Yzma and they turn her into a pinata oh, that yeah. looks like a chicken. Yes, I, I didn't even, we hadn't even talked about those kids. You know, like usually the kids bring the cuteness and these kids were cute, but they were like mean cute, you know, especially when they start going, she's like, oh, I think we can handle her. <laughs> and, and then their mom gets in on that's what i loved about it it's like their mom was in on it as much as they were and you so you see oh well this is where they get it from they get it from their mom mm-hmm. that they act like this so the quote i was talking about when um cronk's asleep and he wakes up and he's like the peasant at the diner he didn't pay his check and then he goes back to sleep but he jerks back up and he says it's the peasant who I saw leaving the city who disappeared into the crowd with Cusco in the back of his cart he must have taken him back to his village so we find the village we find him and if we find him we find Cusco oh yeah it's all coming together (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah it's all coming together (laughs) I like it too when he um, when they're leaving from 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 their house in the village and he's like we need to get together other than just family <laughs> reunions yeah. like he's completely bought into it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just like he's he's some i just love he does not he is the stupid henchman but it's not like oh my gosh this is just ridiculous you just you just end up loving him and he ends up being a good guy in the end mm-hmm. so you gotta love him that much more well, Teresa, any final thoughts? Any Anything else to say about The Old Emperor's New Groove? No, just if you haven't seen this movie or you haven't seen it a long time or you immediately thought, oh, this is going to be stupid, go watch it. Yes. And watch it with an open mind and just be in willingness to be entertained. Yeah, I don't... Because it is entertaining. I don't even think you have to have that much of an open mind. I think you'll just love it. I think it's just... If you enjoy the Goliverse, you'll enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all there is to it. So, what's next for us, Teresa? Oh my gosh, um, you know what? I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> We're getting close to Lilo and Stitch. We are. Yeah, we are. Um, so this was the fortieth. So the forty-first Disney animated film. It's actually going to be Atlantis: The Lost Empire. Oh will be next. wow! Wow. This is going. I've got a story about Atlantis. <laughs> so we'll talk. It's going to be a fun time. It's yeah, be a fun time for sure. Yeah, Michael J. Fox and a James Arnold Taylor connection eventually. So yeah, we'll talk about all that and more on the next Disney Vault Talk. Teresa, before we go, you got to let people know how they get in touch with us. Yeah, you can contact us by sending us an email to vaulttalk at gmail.com. That's vaulttalk with two T's in the middle at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash Disney Vault Talk. Just head on over there. And um, I'm, we're working on the Facebook page, trying to be more active. You know, um, we are on Twitter. We are at Disney Vault Talk. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Ice Cold Penguin. And Steve is at Steve Glosson. And also, please make sure you follow at Goliverse so you can get updates on all the shows on the Goliverse Podcasting Network of Awesome. 
And don't forget, you can support the entire Goaliverse directly by going to patreon.com slash geekoutloud. We're just $700 away from having daily Geek Out Louds, guys, over at the Patreon. Uh, or if you can't do a Patreon, but you do shop at Amazon, use the links that you'll find at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Those things really, truly help us out in a big, bad way. When you use those links, it supports the shows and uh, helps us continue to bring uh, all kinds of content to you. And if you want to buy some of the shirts, uh, the the yo-yoing flamingo shirt was mentioned, and that's a good-looking shirt. You can get that at our T Public store by going to geekoutonline.com/shirts. So those shirts may not be there for long, as we're getting ready to do some all kinds of resets with merchandise and everything behind the scenes. So uh, snatch them while you can at geekoutonline.com/shirts. That wraps it up for us here on Disney Vault Talk. So so glad to be back with everyone so glad to be back with you Teresa and uh, can't wait to talk Atlantis the Lost Empire with you which we'll do next time until then I'm Steve and I'm Teresa may all your days be magical and may all your wishes come true we'll see you next time guys so-